Are you ready to become a VIP? Do you have a cell phone that you can text on? Then consider this an exclusive invitation. As a VIP, you will receive special secret offers via text. These items are usually free and they are always must-have craft supplies from beloved brands. Send us a text and become a VIP at scrapbook.com. Welcome to the Life Handmade Podcast with Scrapbook.com. This is the show for paper crafters, and I am your host, Jessica Harrington. In this episode of Life Handmade, we sit down to chat remotely with the lovely Stephanie Smokovich, the founder of and creative force behind Bella Boulevard. I would like to take a few moments to give a little bit of an introduction about Stephanie. She's always wanted to design scrapbooking products, and this passion remains with her to this day. She loves, 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 loves scrapbooking. She loves being able to tell and document the stories of her life, and memory keeping has always held great importance for Stephanie, but since her brain cancer diagnosis in 2018, she feels a particular need to document these times and stories for her children and husband. We are honored to be joined today by Stephanie and to talk with her about her love of paper crafting, her company, Bella Boulevard, as well as what message she would like to pass along to this community of listeners about her recent, very personal journey. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, we've known each other for a while, so it's wonderful to do a podcast together. I agree. I feel like we... I don't even know how many years we've known each other, but yes, we've known each other a long time. (laughs) Right. Definitely more than a decade, I would say. For sure. Well, Bella's been older than a decade, so I'm not sure if we knew each other back in my KA memory days or not. But Yes. Yes. Yeah, we uh, did. So I think, yeah, I think we've, yeah, as long as you've been in the industry, I think I've I've known who you were. So it's been really, really an enjoyable journey to to share with you. Thank and, you. And the industry too. I always look forward to seeing you at the show. Yeah. And, <laughs> and likewise. And you know, when we missed you and you know, I think the whole industry uh missed you, you know. Well, let's get started and okay. let's jump in. You do you currently live in Wisconsin? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. And you are a self-described cheesehead. Now I am not, I don't have relatives in Wisconsin. What is this? Tell me what this is. Well, a cheesehead is a Packer fan, basically. Okay. Uh, they wear the uh, foam slice of cheese, right? On the head? Yes. It's called a cheese wedge, actually. Wedge. But so um, I think the title has been stripped from Wisconsin for a few years, but for a, a very, very long time. Um, Wisconsin as a state was known as the dairy state because here we produce a lot of cheese and a lot of milk. Um, And somewhere along the line, um, cheese had derives from, I think, like a Dutch word. Um, And so, and it kind of back in the day meant like you're an idiot or you're kind of dense. Oh, no. So... (laughs) Um, the Illinois and Wisconsin rivalry, um, came into play in the NFL. And so, um, Illinois kind of 
called the Wisconsin fans cheeseheads because of that, but now we've just embraced it. Wow. That's turning a negative into a positive in yeah, like the yeah. best way possible. <laughs> like you can't make fun of me. I'm I'm calling it my I, it's me. <laughs> you just take the name. I love it. <laughs> well, okay. So and you you were born and raised in Wisconsin, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. So let's go back to uh, your childhood and let's let's hear what your first crafting experience or just memory about crafting arts and crafts. I just feel like I've always loved to draw. Um, when I was really little, I would like draw Disney characters like freehand by looking at the VHS box or whatever. Um, and then... I vividly remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I vividly remember going into a Walgreens with either my mom or my dad and just um, racing to the school supply aisle. I loved all the crayons, all the markers. Still to this day, one of my favorite things is just a fresh box of crayons that nice and pointy, whatever, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably like the earliest that I remember mm-hmm. um and that I would even like I hate to say this now but like make up a lie about an assignment that I really didn't have because I wanted these markers or these crayons so bad so um that's dedication to the craft I mean if you're I gonna fib, my poor parents yeah. I feel like I did that every time I went somewhere but anyways and then I do remember also um I think I was probably in third grade Um, I had a really good friend. Her name was Angie Locker. um, That was also very creative. And, um, but we also loved to play Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis. (laughs) Oh, wow. Right. Okay. So we had this idea, the two of us, to like design our own video game. So I guess at the time, I mean, I really realistically don't know how many sheets of paper it was, but what we did is we like taped all these pieces of paper together Mm -hmm. and drew the video game as if we were playing it. And our parents said they were going to send it to Sega. But now that I'm much older, I doubt that that ever really actually happened. But that was probably like my first like legit real project. Wow. And it was it was like doing the screens and the levels and the actions for a made up yes Sega game. <laughs> so dorky when I say I that out it. loud. I mean, it had to have taken you hours and hours. And as a parent too, if my children were doing that, I would absolutely promise them that I was going to send it to Sega, <laughs> and they would keep spending hours and hours crafting. Oh yeah, you need to ask your parents whatever happened with all those. All those photos. So we also heard that then flashing forward a few years after that, you know, game development, you started uh, working at a local scrapbook store and you were only 15, correct? Tell us a little bit about that. I couldn't even drive there. Your parents Um, had to drop you off. Yes. Um, So it really all stemmed. um, I played basketball in high school and it stemmed from... um, I was on varsity as a sophomore and I was a sophomore captain on the team. And when senior night came up, we, you know, I I think that's still tradition today. 
um, you know, the team has to do something special for the seniors. And everybody um, knew that I was very artistic. And so they said, oh, my goodness, we should make them scrapbooks. And I'm like, what are you talking? What is that? Mm -hmm. And a girl on my team said, you need to go to the scrapbook store. That, that's the name of the store. Um, she told me where it was. And that day I walked in, got a job. And that was history right there. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, and also something I've learned in listening to this, this history is that you've been working very, very hard, nonstop speed since that, that young age. I mean, sophomore being on the varsity team and the captain, and then also getting a job. I mean, you just haven't let up. I guess. I mean, I'm at heart, I'm truly a socialite. So I don't know. It's just all felt the natural. With all the people and all the fun. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that, the scrapbook store career that you had and what did you do? How did it progress? Oh my goodness. So do you remember, um, were they called paperkins? Well, like I don't. Little doll? Yes. Yes. I never had them, but I do remember that. Okay. So I started working there when those were popular. So um, you would make the the little outfits and put them around and then you would you would paste them into the scrapbook yeah, and you'd be I like your son and your daughter. Them, but I remember customers buying them. Okay. <laughs> that was your early memory, paperkins. Yes. So I started behind the register and that's when like stickers on the roll, like we had yep. billions of stickers on the roll, Mrs. Grossman's wall, all of that stuff. Um, and the owner of the store must have saw something in me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, and asked me if I would teach some classes. So I, wow. I just enjoyed it. Right. Um, so I started as a cashier. I continued as a cashier, but then added classes and then went to trade shows to buying for her. Um, so I just feel like I've been in this industry, whether it's you know, as a, well, I mean, I still purchase product, but like as a consumer first, a retail person, now a manufacturer. So mm -hmm. I love it. Practically your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, from there, decided to go to college, of course. And you, did you, cho you chose graphic design, correct? Yes. Well, I didn't know what major I needed to declare. So okay. I also didn't know that it was like a legit business. Like I knew I had a job at a scrapbook store, but like in my head, I just, at, when we went, when I went to um, see the counselor at college, I said, so right. if I want to like design wrapping paper at Hallmark, like what would be my major? And she said, graphic design. Wow. So that's what I did. And you have a unique story of what a professor <laughs> said to you and kind of then the, that, that seemingly somewhat negative comment changed the course of your life. And he said, graphic design is garbage. So what, what exactly did he say? Okay. So I still talk to him to this day. So I love I, it. Like no harm towards him. Um, he but, changed your life. Yes. But so on the very first day of class, it was like a room full of computers, naturally graphic design lab. And he says, we are in the business of making garbage. 
And at first I like did not understand what the heck that meant. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, I want to like design scrapbook paper or work at Hallmark and do greeting cards or wrapping paper or something. I guess mm-hmm. wrapping paper is garbage, but whatever. You didn't, um, yeah. He hadn't gone next level. <laughs> yes. And he just followed that by saying, um, what we design or what you design um, will eventually be thrown away. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a direct mail piece um, or food packaging or an advertisement um, or wrapping paper, um, all of those things at some point get thrown in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is so sad, but also very true. And so I just, I knew what I wanted to do. And I think still today, that's very rare, like for someone in high school, even to know what they want to do. Um, just tailored every project I did through college towards scrapbooking. So I could, because at that time it was about, I mean, it's still about portfolios, but now it's all gone online. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was like, you had to bring a portfolio with you to an interview to show your work. Right. Um. So my P- Peter Galante was his name. He's like, what is this? Why are you like, so for one of my projects, it was like when CK, all the magazines were, you know, still creating keepsakes. Mm-hmm. All of them were still alive. So for one of my semester projects, I made like a faux scrapbook magazine, but oh, then wow. I like input all of my personal layouts. Right. I don't understand what this is. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's a magazine. Yeah. But so that's what I did. So do you remember the moment that you thought, I want to make scrapbook paper? Like, or is it hard to even remember that like moment? Because it has, it sounds like it always was part of you. The day I walked into the scrapbook store. Okay. So it really did happen that moment. Okay. I never knew like when that, when that my teammate told me, oh, you need to go to the store and check it out. I, at when she said that, I had no clue a store like that existed. Wow. No And then clue. the minute you walked in, you're like, yep. Like, I didn't even, like, get, like, five feet in the door. And the owner um, was working that day. And I said, how old do you have to be to work here? And she said, well, how old are you? And I said, I'm 15. She's like, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And, but, I mean, kind of now gone are those days, I guess. But yes. that makes me sound old. Oh. <laughs> That is true. You you looked like you had character. She's like, oh, if you can show up, you I can know. Work so here. she gave me a key to the store oh at 15 goodness. years old. Yeah, it doesn't happen like that anymore. No. <laughs> well, it gave you that leg up, you know? Yes. And and I'm glad that this is the industry that it is and that you had your start when you did. And you mentioned KI, but let's let's jump to Bella Boulevard. Okay. How did Bella Boulevard come to be? And uh, some things that you have done with Bella Boulevard. Most people listening to this may definitely know who you are and know about Bella Boulevard, but there may might be people that this is the first time hearing. Okay. Um, well, I my um, boyfriend at the time and I um, decided, well, my boyfriend really missed his mom. So we decided to move back home to Wisconsin. Um, and 
I was just, I knew that there was no scrapbooking companies in Wisconsin besides Fiskers, who was in Madison, who was a very long, well, not very long, but it would be an almost two hour commute for me. And mm-hmm. Glue Dots, which all I, in my opinion, um, all I would do there would be packaging design. Right. Which aren't the things that I really wanted to do. Um, and so I had my portfolio and started going on interviews like at marketing agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uncle called me up and he had shown a lot of interest in me um, as I was in Texas working for KI. Um, and he just said, well, I want to help you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know I'm what that sure. And all through college, um, like my portfolio project was, I am Stephanie. And it just was a sentence with the period after it. Mm-hmm. And he just said, well, I want to help you like be, I am Stephanie. And I'm like, still have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, okay, uncle. And he just said, if you make a business plan and, you know, come up with, you know, how much money you'd need, what this would look like for six to 12 months, I'll take a look at it. And I'm like, what is a business plan? That is yeah, literally you, what I said. Google, what is a business plan? I did not go to business school. <laughs> so for everybody listening out there, you don't have to go to business school to own right. a company. Um, but so that's kind of how it started. Wow. Um, he made an investment mm-hmm. in me. Not, I mean, this is my uncle who's like not my blood relative, to be mm-hmm. honest. So I was just amazed that he would be so confident in me. Um, so we like soft launched in the fall of 2018 because, or excuse me, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that time, blogging was very popular. Uh, and so I made a blog and then one of the investment things was a website because when I graduated from high school, they were, or from college, excuse me, they were just implementing website and internet classes. So I missed all of that. Right. Um, and so our first show was winter of 2009. Wow. You just jumped right in. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's jump into Bella Boulevard now, what it is, what do you hope people get or see um, out of your crafting products? What do you hope that their feeling is? Um, Well, maybe go back a couple questions where um, my hope after my professor said that on the first day of a graphic design course um, was that I don't want to create garbage. Mm. Um, even if I don't own my own company, I mean, that was never in my thought, um, during college that, um, I could not own Bella tomorrow, stop graphic designing and like five years from now be at like, a essential oils party or something. And there's a Mm. scrapbook sitting on the shelf with some of my product in it. So I just hope that people 
when they use Bella Boulevard, when they see the new collections, when they, you know, go into their stash to do their pages or their mini albums or their planners or their journals, whatever they're working on, that it just makes them happy. It brings them joy. Like, that's why I do it. That's why I've always done it. And um, a lot of people uh, that go into this business don't continue scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. And I understand that completely. I mean, life of a business owner is very demanding. Um, but I still, and that's, this is something I tell our She Loves Color attendees, I am a scrapbooker still mm-hmm. today. Like, if you could see my desk, I spent two hours cleaning up for this podcast, even though mm-hmm. we're not on video, because I knew I would see you. <laughs> yes. Cause there's normally yes. your craft supplies all laid out. Correct. Yes. Um, so just the joy and the happiness and to like, even just see, um, now my kids wanting to look at the books and my husband doesn't even remember things. And so oh, this yeah. is like, remember this? And he's like, Oh yeah. So it's so crazy. And and when you describe like joy and happiness in that way, it kind of makes me think of that moment you described with walking into the scrapbook store. Exactly. You, you're emulating that. I love it. So what is your go-to or cannot live without product right now? Um, I just don't think I'll ever not have an obsession with pattern paper. Okay. Like pattern paper, hands down. Okay. Every day. So it's been the classic, yet it's the now, it's forever. Yes. Because I just, pretty patterns make me so happy. Yeah. And I think lots of people get that fixed too. And they just love the pattern paper. Well, it's the same about anyone liking anything, whether it's fashion um, or home decorating. There are these things that are pleasing to our eye that bring us joy and happiness. And it's scrapbooking for a lot of people and pattern paper, like you said. Uh, you share your, this love of color and pattern at, you uh, mentioned your She Loves Color retreat or event. And you, this is annual, right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, it's an annual event. We It's really geared towards scrapbookers. Um, a lot of the attendees come because we make scrapbook pages in the workshops. Um, so it's a, it's always in October. Sometimes the weekends change, um, but it's, it will always be in October in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and really, um, our attendance varies from like 150 to almost 300. Wow. Uh, so we picked the Wisconsin Center venue downtown so that we could grow. Uh, but so it's basically a Thursday night opening and welcome. And then attendees take classes all day Friday and all day Saturday. Um, and we have educators, we fly educators in, um, I'm always teach two workshops. Um, but in the past we've had, um, we've flown in Lori Bucaria from Italy Vicki Booten we're going to have this year. Um, Cynthia Sandoval always comes. Mm-hmm. Um, the folks at Simple Stories usually come. So kind of the genesis, I would say, behind She Loves Color is just that um, 
I just, even before my whole health stuff happening, I just love the community. Mm-hmm. So like, even when I get together with my scrapbooking friends, they might have never met my kids or anybody that I scrapbook, but they know them. Right. right. So, um, because of the stories that I share, the pages that we're making, whatever. So, um, I just really wanted to offer an opportunity for people to come and gather as a community because I know that archivers used to have Scrap Fest. And obviously, I know I mean that I'm talking with scrapbook.com right now, but and no, Scrap no, Fest fine. used to be in Minnesota. Right. So, I mean, we'll never get that big, but I just, the years that I, you know, taught at ScrapFest, I was just amazed at how many people came and just that instant connection, whether you know the person sitting next to you or not, because you have that commonality that you love to scrapbook and you love to share your stories. Yeah, you can share. Yes. Speaking of that She Loves Color event, we know that it's, it, is this your fifth year or your sixth year? This will be year five. Okay. And that sounds like the place to be in October. Yeah. So other industry events, as you know, um, you're a long time, like, like we've talked about how long we've known each other. And when we usually see each other is at the Creativation event, formerly known as CHA. Life changed for you almost immediately after the 2018 show. Can you share that experience with those, with us and, you know, therefore those that do not know this, this part of your story? Yes. Oh my goodness. I have goosebumps um, hearing you say that. It was literally days after I arrived home um, from that show in January. Like I had just seen all of the customers, all of the fellow colleagues. It's like a family reunion. Yeah. And um, I had I was sleeping and had a grand mal seizure and was rushed to the hospital. I'd never had one before and I've never had one since. And um I'm just saying this because this is what part of my occupational therapy was. I don't remember any of it. Wow. Um so I was taken to the hospital obviously and um, so many tests later, um, the MRI showed a huge mass in my brain. And the reason I had the seizure was because it was getting so big, it was pushing against my skull. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't leave the hospital. I had to have a craniotomy right away. Um, and, um, all of that is, like I said, a total blur. Right. I'm glad, and uh, honestly, I'm very glad that I had posted on Instagram during that time. Um, because in hindsight, that really, besides talking to my family and my friends, uh-huh. I was obviously lucid that I was posting on Instagram, but I didn't, re- I don't remember any of it. Oh um, so I had my seizure on January 27th, my craniotomy on January 31st. And then um, 
some very severe complications after surgery. Um, that almost took my life for two days. I wasn't allowed to have any visitors and I was in Trundlenburg position, which what is that? Um, um is like my head down and my feet up. Oh my goodness. Um intubated. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I stayed until um the 17th. And um during that time, I didn't know my, you know, my family and my husband obviously knew. Um, the pathology results came back from what was resected. There's still tumor in there mm-hmm. um, that it it's brain cancer. So um, that just changed all of our lives in that moment. Yes. So you had the grand mal seizure. Who discovered you having it? Was it your husband? No. So, um, my grandfather, uh, my Italian grandfather, we call him Nanu, he was labeled fragile. So, um, I come from a very close knit Italian family. My mom was born in Italy. My Nanu and Nana were born there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, he was labeled fragile. And so, uh, my sister, Nikki, my younger sister and I, and my aunt decided to sleep over at their house. Oh my goodness. Um, And my younger sister was pregnant and I was sleeping in bed with her. And I, I mean, I, she doesn't even want to talk about it today. Like how terrifying that that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so naturally, when my parents were called and when Steve, my husband, was called, they just mm-hmm. thought Nanu passed away. Oh. So um, I don't remember anything about the ambulance ride mm-hmm. or just I really don't remember much. I, ju- I do remember arriving um, at the hospital and asking where Steve was. Okay. Um. And he had both of our kids at home and it was like the middle of the night. And what do you do? So in hindsight, you know, I've learned that, you know, he called his mom, but you know, it, so we live probably 30 minutes from her. So by the time like she got up and got herself, you know, figured out and came over. um, But then yes, he came. Okay. So I know that, so I, I mean, I remember seeing your posts um, about uh, everything that was going on. Obviously, I remember then later realizing it was brain cancer. And so you've got these posts that you did, but then you also have all of the family members telling you then p- piecing the story together for you. So I know that you maybe don't personally remember this, but what is their recount of these moments when the craniotomy and them knowing that it was a tumor, did they tell you that your response or your fear was, oh my God, it's cancer? Like, or was the family staying positive? Did they not even speak of that? Was anyone thinking it must be cancer? It must be brain cancer. I don't think that anybody thought that because they were so nervous for me to have brain surgery. Like what we were told is that it has to be taken out. 
or you're going to continue to have, I mean, obviously it has to be taken out, but the, the, if you don't have this done soon, you're going to continue to have seizures. You could like lose your vision, blah, 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 these other things. Um, and so I think especially my mom and my dad, um, were just like, couldn't like, it just all happened so fast, Jessica. I don't think anybody ever even thought about cancer in those moments. Right. I mean, if you think about it, it already was the worst day ever. It already was the worst news ever. It already was the worst. I don't think anyone wanted to nor could fathom could it could be worse. Yeah. You know, so we've touched on this before in some of our other podcasts, but I want to know your personal feedback about this. When people hear these stories, even when I hear these stories, and I know people that have gone through this, we're on one hand, we're shocked and we're heartbroken and we're devastated. And we just can't believe that this happened or that we know someone that this happened to. Or like in my case, you just saw me four days ago, you know, right. right. And then all it is is posts and you're kind of like, what? I don't understand. She, I just saw her. She was smiling and laughing and showing us the product. And we were all excited. We we're buying oh, Meanwhile, I had a tumor in my brain, the quarter the size of my brain. Yes. Yes. Which is crazy. Because like just thinking about that, you're like, how, how is there not a lump? Like, exactly. It, like these are the thoughts that go through your head. But people often wonder and really struggle with knowing what to say, knowing what to do um, when they saw you later at shows or when they heard it and they live in your town or they're a family or a friend. For you personally, now looking back at all of this, what did you find helpful and what made a difference? What was the kind and appropriate response uh, that you enjoyed? Like still to this day or in yeah. that moment? Maybe maybe shortly thereafter, but I'd also love to know still to this day because I know that that evolves. So let's start with shortly thereafter. Found out you had cancer, the cancer part, the the hard part right after. Um. So I still had the Bella offices during that time. And uh, my sister... Um, worked for Bella for mm-hmm. a lot of years and was there. And um, I didn't know this, obviously, at the time. I actually didn't even know that Lael Konkar organized it until like four months ago. Oh, wow. um, but all of these cards, handmade cards, whether they're from scrapbookers all around the world or you and your son or daughter's school school classmates just flooded to Bella. I wasn't there, but Angela called and said, we need to bring these to you, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I mean, it was overwhelming, probably more than a thousand, but my strategy was that I wasn't going to open them all at once and that I'd open one every day to cheer me up. Oh my goodness. And, Um, that also, when I, um, learned about your initiative with the cards, I just feel like that is an amazing thing because for me, because in those early days, um, again, I don't remember it, 
but my parents, my sisters, my husband, like I was not vocal at all. Like Mm -hmm. my kids would be playing in front of me and I couldn't, what wasn't even paying attention to them Mm -hmm. to the point that like my mom was like freaking out, like scared for me. Right. Um, so just to have a beautiful handmade anything, whether it's like a color, a drawing by a second grader or a beautiful card from a scrapbooker, um, really lifted my spirits. And whether mm-hmm. it had any kind of note in it or not, just that someone made that for me, who I don't even know more than half of those people. Um, so in the beginning, that really made a difference just really lifted me up like Mm -hmm. the community of part of the industry that I'm in cares Mm -hmm. Um, you got that dose and you savor I love how you said that you only did one a day you savored that pile and you so I also looked at it guilty about only opening one a day. But I'm like, this is good for my mental health right now that I have all of these cards. They probably last. I mean, I open more than one a day in hindsight, but they probably lasted me six months. That is amazing because it also was something to look forward to. Oh, I wonder what that envelope will reveal inside. And I think a lot of people hearing, and and yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, you mentioned our Cards for Kindness initiative. A lot of people hear that. And I wonder if their thought is really just that. Because sometimes if you're not living it, you think, oh, I need to do this or I need to do that. or I need to spend a lot of money or I need to make sure I have all these meals for them or I need to do this. And your response, this early response back in the beginning stages was just a handmade card made all the difference. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Our whole neighborhood set up a meal train. My husband was so overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. So see, so I love that great. people are, <laughs> it was great, but like he was fed. Yeah. But it, him and I are two people and our kids like, uh, at that time, Ruby, I, so I missed Ruby's first birthday. I was in the hospital. And so Hunter was three. Right. What are you going to eat? So yes, but the meals were very, very helpful. I don't okay, make good. you know, make that sound not gracious, but, um, at some point, we I remember we have a freezer in our basement. There is probably 10 prepped meals in there that we were like back stocked on. I love it. So. Oh, my goodness. And it, that would probably help you knowing that he was taken care of. I, I, d- I doubt you had very much of an appetite no, at, that, at that point. No. Okay. So it's been... Um, you know, years, what, what currently helps now? Like what feels okay now? How do you like people to show up or, or be with you? What have you learned? Um, honestly, sometimes I just don't really want to talk about it. Um, so for me, it's just being there. It's just Mm -hmm. like, hanging out with me, even if we're not talking about it, that helps me. Um, because I'm not sure if you've ever been through this cycle, but like all of, you have to relay all of the updates to all of our family and 
close friends and daycare and school, you know, so at some point, um, and I love that everybody wants to know, but at some point it just gets so emotionally exhausting. Um, and sometimes I'm an, I mean, I'm mostly an open book about it, but, um, I would say random texts, Mm. um, just checking in and, um, just being there here, Mm -hmm. even if we're not talking, like being present with you or for you together, whether over text or at your house or in your booth at show, um, things like that. Okay. I will say, am I allowed to say anything that like, I don't really like when people say it to me. I think people are on the edge of their seat to know this. Everyone strives to be appropriate. And everybody totally means well. I mean, I agree. You know, it's coming from a very genuine place. Um, But still to this day, I don't enjoy going places where... I haven't seen people maybe for two or three months or longer Mm -hmm. because they look at me like with these very sad eyes and they just say, how are you? So Mm -hmm. it's not that they're asking me how I am. It's how they're saying it, which I know that they mean well, but just say, how are you? What's going on? Like they're, they're poised and ready for a very sad or gut-wrenching or Yeah. And that makes me feel like I have to be sad. and. Right now, in my day to day, I am not sad. So yeah, tone, you know, tone matters. Okay, me, but I can't do anything about it. And so, you know, I, for sure, I have sad days, mm-hmm. um, and hard days. The other thing, and I am like a very firm believer in God and practice my faith. Is I hate to laugh and say this, <laughs> but. It was meant to be. Oh, there's a reason for everything, and I will. Be- I totally believe all of that. Um, not but thing to hear. At though. least in the very beginning, probably not the best thing to say. Okay, that's really good. Good advice. And so, what words did you want to hear the most from your family and friends? I know that you've been quoted stating that your husband is a very like positive person. Yes. Um, well, so I guess, and still now, um, I just want people to say to me, you know, in the beginning, people said, sorry, Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry that this has happened to you. And that's perfect. Like I, and that my response was, I'm sorry too. Mm -hmm. But like, just those words besides like trying to make it better or saying, oh, I have a friend that has a brain tumor or their experience, which I, again, I know it's all comes from a genuine place of love. Um, Or uh, one of my friends, like two or three months after it happened, she sends me a text of a screenshot that says, Oh, this is awful. <laughs> oh, it says, uh, air blowing out of air conditioner when you first turn your car on can cause brain cancer. 
<laughs> and I simply replied. So first of all, in my head, I'm like, really? Oh my goodness. But uh, she is a very good friend. So mm-hmm. I know that she wasn't meaning any ill will, but so mm-hmm. I replied and I just said, I'm just trying to focus, you know, on my life right now, not the reason that it happened because it just, mm-hmm. it just did. Right. Um, so saying things like, I am so sorry, or a lot of people say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's an easy thing to answer typically, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable asking for help. So mm-hmm. I would just say, just do something. Just do something. Make a, card, make a meal. Okay. Whatever. Say okay. a prayer. Yeah. Um, and, and that they're asking how I am is good. It's just the tone in which they ask. Like, well, how are you? What's new? What's the status? Not, how are you? When yes. was your last MRI? Yes. Because I'm happy to talk about my scans. But just almost like that they pity me mm-hmm. in, the, in their tone sometimes um, makes me feel like I have to be sad or pity myself. And then you would almost feel guilty or strange changing the tone on them. Yeah, yeah I can it's see exactly how that's very correct. discombobulating to have to answer to that if you're not in that mood at the moment. You yes. Know? Yeah, that's really insightful. Thank you. I think a lot of listeners are really um, enjoying hearing this uh, straight from you if they haven't known someone that has had, um, well, any cancer or the, the severity that, you, that you've gone through. So to, to close up, what is the one message you would like to provide to this community of listeners? If you could pick one. One message, that's hard. I would just say um, to pay it forward. What does that mean? Through this whole experience for the past two years, everybody in my world, whether I know them or not, has just showed up, whether it's sending a card or making a meal, or in the beginning, I had a GoFundMe page someone set up, financial contributions, or helping driving. Because I, when you have a seizure, at least in the state of Wisconsin, you can't drive for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole experience has just made me think, I want to pay this forward. So if there's ever like a time or a person, whether it's cancer or divorce or something a much, much smaller is to just pay it forward, not necessarily financially, but being there or making something or talking or just whatever it is that helps that person. Um, I just feel like this experience has made me personally a lot more compassionate. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No matter what the sorrow or the suffering, whatever we recognize in, in others to just continue to pay it forward as, as you had felt so much given, it's wonderful to hear that through this, through this immense suffering and continued, I know it's still hard that you your answer is, I am a more compassionate person now because of this. It, it's really a beautiful way to to have learned and look at it. Well, thank you, Stephanie. We've 
really, really, really enjoyed our time together with you. And I appreciate you calling in from your home in Wisconsin. Thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you. And I just hope that my story might, you know, help if it's even just one person. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining Scrapbook.com today. If you're listening, you can find the links to the products, the resources, everything that we talked about today uh, in this episode in the show notes. You can go to www.scrapbook.com forward slash podcast for more info as well. Scrapbook.com carries over 40,000 unique items and is the number one online store for paper crafters. When you shop at Scrapbook.com, you enjoy award-winning customer service, great prices, a huge selection of products, and super fast shipping. You also benefit from nearly 200,000 real product reviews from crafters like you. You'll find endless inspiration and meaningful connection in the scrapbook.com forum and gallery. And you can even take a free online class or two as well. Be sure to subscribe to the Life Handmade podcast in your favorite app and enjoy our other episodes there as well. Make sure to catch up on all the ones you missed. And please consider leaving a review for the podcast as it will help other crafters like you to find it easier. Happiness is life handmade. <laughs>